How many guys love being in the presence of the Lord? It's good, huh? How many guys have ever have you guys ever walked into a place that you've never been before, but when you walk in, there's just this familiar sense. You're like, I I feel somewhat I feel like I've been to this environment. You guys know what I'm talking about? You ever been in an environment that's familiar to you? It could be good, it could be bad. But the cool thing about the Spirit of God is when you walk into an environment and you recognize the presence, there is an anticipation for what's about to happen. Because when you know who God is, when you know what He does, when you have faith in His goodness, then you start to raise your level of expectancy for what is possible. Amen? So with God, how much is possible? All things. That's good. Amen? All right, so I just want to speak about the cross today. It's Easter Sunday, but I want to, I, I want to hit it from a, a different perspective in that I know that we have heard how powerful, how powerful our sin is and how powerful the price that was on our heads was and what he paid for it. But it, it's one thing when you realize how powerful sin is in your life, but there's another thing when you, when you actually get the knowledge of how inferior that power is when Christ steps into the picture. Amen? How do you guys know we are free from sin? Like, it's, it is so powerless, it's laughable. Amen? All right, so let's just pray. Father, we thank you for today. We thank you for your spirit that is here today. We thank you for our family, our friends. We have been unified with you. We have been unified with Jesus. Lord, you you said in John 17, that the glory that you gave to Jesus, he gave to us. Lord, and we get to live out that glory. We love you for it. We just... Lord, just uh, unleash your spirit today on us. Let us experience some awesome things in your presence. Amen. Amen. Do you guys know that Jesus, I heard this this last week, it was pretty cool. The man Jesus was the Holy Spirit with an earth suit. We think of Jesus, we, we know the Trinity, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, but it, the Holy Spirit became a man, and that man was Jesus. Everything that Jesus represented was a demonstration of the Holy Spirit working through him. It was God embodied in a man. Amen? You guys know that. So when we, when we, when we know that we have the Holy Spirit dwelling in us, how many of you guys know you have the Holy Spirit dwelling in you? You guys know that? That that, that, that spirit in you starts to call out things how many of you guys uh, uh, have been somewhere and you feel this, this move, this, I, this, some people call it an unction. They call it like, I just, I have to do this. I have to go over to that person and I have to tell them it's going to be okay. Like, and, and your life comes to a complete stop until you pursue that one thing. Have you guys ever been there? That is the Holy Spirit moving in you. It's the spirit of reconciliation. It's the spirit that draws and develops and it cultivates and distributes hope to people. And that is the spirit that walked and moved in the man Jesus. 
And it's that same spirit that has fallen, and the Bible says in the last days, that spirit is going to fall on all flesh. Everybody say all flesh. Now look to your neighbor and say, you're all flesh. Say, I'm all flesh. It's awesome to know what is possible when the Spirit of God falls on all flesh. Amen? So I'm going to talk to you guys about a few things today about what the cross represents. How many of you guys know that the cross was an end of an era? Amen? It was the end of an era. You guys know the word testament means it is, is a way, a manner in which God deals with his people. So the Old Testament was a way in which God dealt with his people. But then there is something called a New Testament. And you guys know we live in the, we live in the era of the New Testament. There, there is a way God dealt with people, but now there's a new way God deals with people. And it, has, it doesn't have to do with the way God works. It has to do with the revelation given to us because God never changes. What changed was who we saw we were a representation of. We saw, John says, the fullness of grace and truth. Isn't that good? How many of you guys like to know the whole picture? Have you guys ever, you guys ever worked on a puzzle before? How many of you guys know you got a piece of the puzzle? And how many of you know it is so frustrating when you have a piece of a puzzle and you have all these other pieces, right? You have all these other pieces and you're like, how, what, what am I building? See, in the Old Testament, it was one big puzzle piece from verse to verse to verse. And this one, we have one piece of God, but it's not the whole picture. We don't know exactly where it fits and people try and they mess up and then they judge someone and they try and they mess up and every once in a while they get a little bit. But how many of you guys have ever tried to assemble a puzzle without the full picture in front of you? See, what happens is when Jesus was the presentation of the fullness of God, we looked at the picture and we go, that's God. But then, you know, the cool thing is God turns around and says, but Jesus is how I see you. You see, if God believed you were rubbish, he would have sent rubbish. But because God believed in your perfection, Because Adam and Eve were born without flaw, Jesus was perfect because that's how the Father saw you. He doesn't see you as fallen. He sees you as risen. And it took, see, Jesus was God's faith in us. We talk about having faith in God. You can't have faith in God until you fully receive his faith in us. Does that make sense? He has faith in you. You see, it is that love that compels you to go above and beyond. Not because it is required, but listen. How many of you guys know I am not required to walk, but it is my nature to walk? Because I have been given the technology to do so. 
It is my technology. It is my nature to talk, to speak, to communicate. You see, Jesus reveals to us our nature, the nature of signs, the nature of wonders, the nature of hope, the nature of good judgment, the nature to be able to look directly at sin and see right past it into the heart of a person and call out the beauty that was hidden underneath it. That's, that's what the Father saw in us. And He redeemed all of creation. All of it. What we receive is that good news that creation has been redeemed. All sin was nailed to the cross. Which means any sin that comes up is, is sin that we have faith as possible. But Jesus sees us as pure because the Father sent him as pure. And his constant drawing out to you of perfection isn't something he's trying to create from, it's something he already created in you and he's calling it out. You guys have been made perfect. Amen? It's difficult to call something perfect when you know about the flaws in the imperfections. But something in us says, okay, God, if you say I'm perfect, that's offensive, but I trust in you. The cross represents a couple different things. I'm going to just hit on this, but the cross, one of the things the cross represents is one, our atonement. You guys ever heard this word atonement before? The word atonement is actually the word it, it talks about in the Old, uh, Old Testament. It, is, it means a blood covering. It's a covering. And what it was meant to do is when you, would, when you would kill an animal and that sacrifice was given for a people's remission of sins, their transgressions, that blood that drained down, it actually was meant to, to be a veil over your eyes. It w- the blood wouldn't come over people's eyes, but it represented a covering. The blood was to cover your sin. It was to block you from being able to see your own sin so that you could continue with life. Did you guys get that? Do you, you hear me say amen? Okay, cool. All right. But how many times have we done something wrong and somebody brings it up? This never happened to you. Probably happens to me all the time. You do something wrong and somebody brings it up. You know what? That's a violation of atonement. When the enemy brings up your past, it's a violation of your atonement. When you bring up your past, it's a violation of your atonement. When you bring up somebody else's past, it's a violation of their atonement. Because it's not the way the father sees them. Because if the father saw them that way, he would have sent a representation of that flawful person. But he sent perfection. Amen? I like that. That's freeing. When God says, look, I got to cover this. You, you don't want to look at that. You don't want to look at that. Don't, don't look at that. Amen? It's important that we know how we see what we see. Because... How many of you guys know if you look out a window and the window's dirty, you could think it's a dreary day, but it's just the window that's dirty. We have to make sure that we clean our perception so that way we are able to articulate what's going on accurately. Amen? 
You guys ever, you ever looked at a situation wrong or actually maybe one-sided? You didn't hear both sides of the story and you actually made a judgment only on one side. And then when you heard the other side, you're like, oh, my bad. I didn't see that. Well, you see, the enemy took advantage of the law and he's been telling you one side, one side. But there's another side to the story and that's the side of the story that we live on and it's the fullness of who you are it's the fullness of grace it's the fullness of truth that's cool that's good news that's good news that's not conditional that's just the reality of who we are amen the second thing the cross represents is a complete and approved sacrifice according to God's provision rather than our provision and opinion you know how many times we you know, we have all, uh, we call them altar calls. They're not even in the Bible, but we, we do them anyway. They're fun. Uh, and so you guys know that someone comes forward and they're making a declaration of their faith. But you guys know that God already called you before you made your decision. God already made his decision. All you're doing is agreeing with his decision. It's not like you are turning God's heart towards you. Because if that were the case, you'd be more powerful than God. But see, his heart was already turned towards you, waitingly eager the return of his, his kids. He's already waiting. And as soon as he sees you, that loving kindness darts out, grabs you, hugs you, kisses you, puts a robe on, puts a ring on, puts new sandals on, and he throws a party. Say, my God is a God of the party. Amen. Jesus was the ultimate party animal. He was the Lamb of God. Come on. God wanted to make sure that in your existence, he would be the only one that provides for you. Who gave you that next breath? Why is your heartbeat one more time? Why do you have one more hope? Why do you have one more dream? Why is it that when all hell breaks loose, there's always a pinhole of light that says, there's more, don't stop. Because that is the call of the Spirit of God pressing through saying, I know you think it's the end, but it is my beginning. There is hope. There is hope for you. That's cool. I am really excited about that. He said, I'm going to, you guys are providing me lambs, rams, turtle doves, all these things. And as long as you provide your own sacrifice, it will always be insufficient. Just sit down. Guys, sit down. Humanity, sit down. I made your garden. I put the trees in the garden. I want to be the person who puts the lamb in your life that you will slay for me. I will be the only one who provides for you. And it will be the only thing I will receive. The only thing I will receive is what I provide for you. You will not be a part of See, that's, that's not our works. 
It's his work. We're, the, we're his workmanship. We're his poem. Everything we say, our, our praise is continually on our mouth. And it is, we are giving him, the only thing we give him is what is worthy to give him. And that's what he gives us to steward in the first place. That is what the cross represents. Number three, it represents the death of the first Adam. Jesus was known as the second Adam. But in order for the second Adam, see, all, all of creation, the Bible says that all of creation was that we were first born in Adam. That's what we were all sinners. But how much more great when all of us are born from the second Adam. See, God took the nature, the, the mindset of we are bent towards sin, that nature, and he became the fullness of sin. He, he took that sin and he took that sin. And please hear me out. I'm not talking about works. God didn't take your works on the cross. He took your thoughts on the cross. See, murder doesn't ever start off as murder. It starts off as hatred in the heart. That's where it starts. Jealousy never starts off with stealing. Adultery never starts off with sex. Idolatry never starts off as other things, a thing. It starts off in the heart. So God took these things. He took all of sin, all of it, all of it, past, present, future. He took it all. And he says, I am going to become sin. And as sin, I am going to die. He actually died as sin because in the father's eyes, sin was to be transferred in the old Testament. Sin was to be transferred from the person to the sacrifice. And as the sacrifice was slaughtered, that sin would be paid for. So God took all of the sins of all creation that has ever and will ever be. And as sin complete, he died. That's big. That is huge. That's, that's like one of those things where you have to kind of stop and go, wait a minute. I, that's a little, I need to think on that. Just, you could take it home and munch on it. That'll be leftovers, okay? So it represents the death of the first Adam. That is season is over. It's done with, we live in a new season. And the fourth thing is it declares God's final say on sickness, disease, and separation. How many of you guys know, have you ever heard when it says, when Jesus looks up to heaven and he says, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Do you guys know that it was, it was in that, that passage that we read there that we actually note that Jesus was actually quoting David in the Old Testament. And the reason he was quoting, my God, my God, actually that is the only time in the New Testament where Jesus refers to the Father as God. It is the only time he references a name on the Father in in the word God rather than in the word Father. He always refers to him as Father. 
And as that identity, as God, there being a separation, he takes that and he uses that and he kills that identity of separation because Jesus only wants you to know God as father. He is the father of how many? All. See, when I, I love to, to know I have a God who is a father. I don't have to worry about my father being God. I, I love to know that my God is my father. He's my dad. He's my Abba. He's my Papa. He's, he is the one who I can go into and pull in and, and grab a hold of him and just pour out my guts. Do you guys know how important it is for you to pour out your heart to your God in heaven? Can we talk about heaven for one minute? I'm going to talk about heaven for one minute. I'm almost done. In heaven, there is no tears, correct? There is no pain, correct? There is no hurt, correct? No sickness, no disease, correct? There is only one season in your existence you will ever be able to approach God with your pain with your hurt, with your sorrow. It is so important that we learn that when we are going through a season of pain, hurt, and sorrow, that we realize that is a limited season where we will be able to lay that at his feet. Because once you die, you will never be able to give that to him again. That is an offering. That is a sacrifice. That praise the praise of your hurt is the sacrifice you can only give to him right now because once you are in eternity, that will never be available to you again. So the next time you go through a season of pain, of hurt, I want you to think about this is something I have an opportunity to lay at my father's feet and give him because he wants this. He wants your pain. He wants your hurt. He wants your past. He wants your worry because you can't give it to him when you're in his presence for eternity. Amen? Start to gather those things up. Start to write those things down so you can present that to him because he wants them. He wants them. The beauty that he bestows on you is because of the ashes of the fire you've gone through that you're willing to give to him. He gives us beauty for ashes. Amen. Number five, what the cross represents, it reveals God's thoughts on our righteousness. It's our value. You guys know that we live in a, we live in a, uh, an economic system where the value that is placed on something isn't depend on what the person is willing to sell it for. It's depending on the, the price a person is willing to pay for it. How many of you guys know that I have a bottle of water here? How many guys, how many guys would pay $1,000 for this? Anybody pay $100? $1 maybe? $1? Going once, going twice, you put any offering plate. $1? How many of you guys think it's about valued of maybe about 15 cents? See, it's valued at 15 cents because that's about all you are going to pay for it, right? 
you're not going to pay $1,000 for it because it's not that valuable. Right? Well, see, the value that God placed on humanity, he didn't see you as junk. The reason God sent his best is because you are his best creation. And the value he placed on you was not an inferior one to his son. It was equal to his best. It was equal to his only begotten because that's what he was willing to pay for everyone. Amen? I hope you guys understand your value tied to the cross wasn't a value that was so demeaned by your sin, but it was the value of it was valued at perfection. That is what the cross represents. Now, what about the sin? What about the sin nailed to your cross? Those are the mindsets that we have that need to die. Those are the thought processes that we have that prevent us from actually agreeing with our perfection. See, it wasn't what Satan was willing to receive. It was what God was willing to give for you. Amen? Because God sent his only son. Amen? Now, there's a couple things of why the cross is offensive. Have you ever been offended at the story of the cross? Has that ever offended you? Because it has offended me. Now, here's a couple reasons why, and I'm going to close. The cross, is or the, yeah, the cross is offensive because it robs the enemy of his lies over us regarding our standard with God, our standing with God. It actually tells us who we've always been. That is offensive, especially if you have a past that makes you feel like you are unworthy to stand in his presence. Sin will convince you you are not worthy to stand in God's presence. Sin will tell you, I don't want to go to the house of God. I don't want to be around holiness. Why would you think that? Because you have knowledge of what you have done. But see, when you have knowledge of who you are and who he says you is, <laughs> you like that? then what he does is that grace empowers you and that, that drags you past the sin and it puts you into the presence. And it is until you are in the presence of God that you realize, wow, he has made me clean. That washing. Have you guys ever felt at the end of an encounter with God, you just feel clean, you feel light. Have you ever felt that? You're like, wow, I just... I feel, I feel like, I don't know, it just feels clarity. I feel clarity. I feel clean. So I feel like the only thing in my life is what's ahead of me. The next thing, it is the ultimate insult. The cross is an insult to unforgiveness. Have you guys ever, have you ever been the victim of unforgiveness? Have you ever been someone who who you offended somebody else and they didn't forgive you. Have you ever been in that place where somebody didn't forgive you because of your offense towards them? Or what about the opposite? What, have you ever been in a place where someone did something to you 
and you held it against them. You said, sorry, this is, I, I'm not going to forgive you on this one. I've got I to hold that. But see, unforgiveness is a, is a debt that you are taking on yourself. Because, you see, unforgiveness, when you unforgive somebody else, you're not holding them down. You're holding you down. You are taking on the weight of unforgiveness. And what the cross does, it will violate your unforgiveness. Because if there's any person who should have any right to unforgive somebody, it's someone who takes their son and you, your sin nailed Jesus to the cross. That's what that thought process is. But God violates that by saying, you don't deserve it. Or he, he, sin will say, you don't deserve it. And God will say, no, I, you do deserve it. And that crushes the unforgiveness because his love towards you is never ending. It doesn't stop. And it is that spirit that causes the breaking, the violation of unforgiveness towards us. And it disperses an eternal forgiveness to everyone around us. It's very powerful. Are you guys okay? It strips the power of powerlessness in the, unbel- in the believer. Have you guys ever felt powerless? Have you been through something and you just say, there is nothing I can do? Okay. Well, newsflash. You were made in his image. And you might not know how he is working. And you might be at a place that all you feel like is, God, I, I don't know what to do, but I'm going to give it to you. I'm, I'm not powerful right now, but you're powerful. And you put your faith in his power. You put your faith in what he can do. That actually starts to restore the, the environment that God is going to move. And all I want to do is follow his footsteps right now. That's what I want to do. And the other thing the cross is offensive towards is it humbles us in our ability to understand his ways. You know how many times the, the, uh, the saints of old, they, they did their absolute best to try to figure out how God was going to come and how he was going to release freedom over, over his, his children. And here's the new kingdom that's going to be established. And at the very end of Jesus' life, you know, just reading last night and last night in Mark, and and the disciples are still wondering when 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 are we gonna when are you gonna set up your kingdom? Come on, when are we gonna do this? When are you gonna restore Israel? He's like, I've, I'm risen. I'm, it's done. Well, that's it's not what I wanted. Is that James? Did you want it like that? Because I didn't. See the cross will offend our way of how God works. Because we couldn't see it coming. See, now, since we got the end of the story, we're like, oh yeah, it totally makes sense. I, 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 if I was back in Jesus' day, I would have totally followed him. I would have totally seen it coming. I would have not have been a Pharisee. And I've learned, I've learned the majority of people who think they're going to see it come are the people who usually get it farthest off. It was the people who were hungry. The people who were hurting who had nothing to hope for but hope itself that he revealed himself to. Jesus said this. He said, I did not come to, 
to, uh, he said, I came to give sight to the blind and to take sight from those who say they see. So what that does is that positions me in a, in a place of humility saying, God, I don't know how you're going to work, but I know what it feels like. And if all I have to do is stay in an area of hope that you're calling me to, that's all I need. Amen. So Jesus died to remove your debt, but he rose to install your authority. Jesus died to pay your debt, but he rose to install your authority. There's a difference between someone who's in debt and someone who has an inheritance. And right now we live in a culture where almost everyone has a little bit of debt, right? Don't agree. <laughs> like, no, we have a little bit of debt. Oh, I owe this person this. Oh, I see sin does that. But see, Jesus says, done, wiped. Here is the inheritance of heaven. Here it all is. See, the tomb represented not only, see, it was the process. Here we have, we have debt that is paid off. So you're at a zero balance. But what happens when you step into the king of all kings who has the inheritance of all creation? And he says, guess what? It's all yours. The tomb represented the emptiness of your debt. The emptiness of of the old Jew. It is not who you are. It is gone. You know why the, the body didn't decompose? Don't let your sin decompose in the grave. Because Jesus' body as sin did not decompose. It vanished. It was gone. There was nothing left. Nobody was left in the tomb because he died as your sin and there is no trace of it left. The only thing, the only thing that is available to us is the glorified Lord. And so are you. You are God's body glorified. Amen. You are a new creation in Christ Jesus. How many of you guys know Paul says this? We're going to read... We're going to read 2 Corinthians chapter 5, and I'm going to pray. We're going to read um, uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 5. We're going to read verse 13. It says this, For if we are beside ourselves, it is for God. Or if we are of sound mind, it is for you. For the love of Christ compels us, because we judge like this, that if one died for all, then all died. Everybody say all. All died. That's good stuff. And he died for all, that those who live should live no longer for themselves, but for he who died for them and rose again. We live for him. Therefore, everybody say therefore. From now on. Everybody say from now on. We regard who? No one. According to the flesh. You want to be like Jesus? Don't look at people for their actions. Don't look at them for what they've done. 
Don't regard them according to the flesh. Don't regard them according to their sinful deeds, according to their flaws and their past. Don't regard them. You want to be like Jesus? It says, even though we have known Christ according to the flesh, yet now we know him thus no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. That word new creation is the word where we get the word prototype. It is never before been created. New creation in Christ Jesus. Old things have passed away. Behold, majority of things have become new. All things have become new. Sorry, wrong translation. Now, all things are of God who has reconciled us to himself through Jesus Christ. Listen, I know sometimes we put stock in our ability to reconcile us to God, but you know what? He was the one that reconciled us to him. No matter how many altar calls, you know what, how many times I got, you know what, growing up, I got sick of how many times I had to come up at the end of services and rededicate my life to God. Did Jesus ever ask anybody to rededicate their life to him? See, he was the one that reconciled you to himself because he is the author and the finisher of your faith. What you do is agree. Everyone just say yes. Yes, Lord. We say yes, Lord. You don't start anything with him. He's the one that starts it with you. He's the one in whom delights in your birthing. There is no child who has any say in what family they are born into. My kids, even though they might want to, they're like, I, I want another family. <laughs> you don't get to decide the family you're born into. It is the will of your parents. And there is a beautiful likeness that it was his will that you were born into the family. What we do is agree. We say, yes, Lord. I say yes to you. I say yes to you. I'm not going to deny who you are. I'm going to receive who you are. Amen. He is reconciled. God reconciled um, Christ. Or he reconciled the world to himself. Verse 19 says, Not imputing their trespasses to them and has committed to us the word of reconciliation. The good news that we carry, the gospel of Jesus Christ, is not the story of a man. It's the story of humanity. See, God has reconciled every one of you to himself through Jesus. Wait, wait a minute. What do I have to do? What? You say yes. You just say yes to the Lord. God is calling. What he does is he calls people. He calls out people. I'm choosing you. I'm choosing you. I'm choosing you. I want you. You're mine. You belong to me. I'm a jealous God. I'm not going to allow you to go through life and not experience my love. I am so glad that he chose me. Now, my confession is a confession of his acceptance. It is so important that we learn to confess how good he is, that his faith 
is in us. And then that faith we have towards him, it releases the power of God through our day-to-day life. God wants you to speak up. Here's the reason why he wants you to choose. He wants you to choose. It says that in 2 Corinthians, or 7, uh, 2 Chronicles 7.14, I set before you, I set before you this day life and death, blessing and cursing. And then he says, choose life. Do you know why God gives you a choice? Here's the reason God gives you a choice. God gives you a choice because it is in his power to choose. As a, as a father, how good of a parent am I if I have the power to choose, but I don't release the ability of choice through my kids? If I make them choose me? No, I, I give them the same power that I operate in and I let, allow my voice to be echoed. And God wants to release the authority through your life. That's what the call is for us. It's for us to, the Bible says that all creation eagerly waits and groans for the, the revelation, the manifestation of the sons of God. God is looking for people to echo what he's been saying for all eternity. Amen. Are you guys okay? I just want to, I want to, I want to, I want to make a, a prophetic declaration over you today. And we're going to close. We're going to pray. I'm just going to pray over you guys. And, uh, and what we'll do is I'm just going to, um, uh, bless you. And if anyone wants to come up and just let us know what the Holy Spirit has been speaking to you through this time, if you need prayer, we want to pray with you. We want to agree with you because we know that's not you doing anything that's outside his will. It's his will that calls you forth for agreement. And that's what we are here for. And we want to be there and we want to see the goodness of God start to articulate and work in your life. Well, if you want to come forward for prayer, we're going to have that. If you want to, if you want to present, you want, if you've been holding something back and you say, God, look, I've, Look, I know you chose me, but I've been holding something back, and I'm, I need to lay this down. If you want to lay something down today, that's cool. That's, we want to invite you to come forward and lay it down. But no, he's the one that's drawing you. This isn't your decision. This is his decision. You're agreeing with what the stirring of the Holy Spirit is going on. Amen? All right. Thank you, Jesus, for today. The Bible says in Revelation, you say in your word, God, that before the foundation of the earth was laid, the Lamb of God was slain. That it was before creation had ever begun. You had already made your choice. You had already decided who we are. You had made that decision. And Father, I thank you for making that decision and giving us that decision. Lord, you are a good God. You are the great provider. Lord, I thank you for the body of Christ this morning. All throughout all the world right now, people are celebrating the risen Lord. They're celebrating what you have completed and the work you have started. And Father, I just want to thank you for calling forth calling forth people today 
you are the one. You're saying, and you say, just like you spoke, you know, Lazarus, come forth. Uh, the Holy Spirit is calling forth the sons and daughters of God who have been in so, uh, for so long, they have, they have believed a, a lie of death that they have, they deserve, they deserve the condemnation they are under. And Lord, Jesus just doesn't present that. That's just not, that's not news that's good. That's not news that brings life. That is, that is a dead message. We were dead in our trespasses. Lord, you, you were the one who declared life over us. And Heavenly Father, I speak life over my body this morning. My sisters, my brothers, my family, that we are all one in you. You are the one that has unified us, Lord. No matter how much, no how much division the enemy would love to try to put between us, we're going to agree that you are the one who puts every one of us in our place. You are the one that shows the beauty in all creation. You are the one that begins to restore, to heal, to move. And Father, we just lay down, we lay down the things that promote division in our heart. The unforgiveness that we house towards others. We lay that down this morning and we receive the nature of God that the cross shows us who we are. The perfection, the perfection that you presented to us. Lord, there is that offense because we know what we have thought. We know the lies enemy has tried to feed us, but we know that this, there's something about this that just says, yes, Lord, I know your nature and I know you've called me. You've called me to your nature. And I just speak freedom over your hearts today. And I just, I just speak life over areas in your life that have kept you from believing of what God says about you. We call that onto the table and we allow God to show his judgment on that. And it reveals your nature as his child. Lord, we just lay those things at your feet today. In Jesus' name, amen. Love you guys so much. You guys know the word says, I was glad when I said unto them, let us go into the house of the Lord. You guys stand up to your feet this morning. And we are going to release you this morning. We're going to release you. Listen, good news. You want to spread good news? You spread the news of reconciliation. The message that God has reconciled us through Jesus. Everybody said? Amen. You guys have a good day. I want you to give somebody a hug. This is body. We are one together.